second ago, but I'll try it. Um, well, we're here this morning <laughs> to meet with the great inhabitant of the house. <laughs> it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Isn't it? It's all about him. And it's wonderful. Whether we've got a voice or we haven't, he's wonderful. And... Uh, you know, I was thinking the Apostle John, he saw Jesus in the flesh. He saw Jesus crucified. He saw Jesus buried. He saw him put in the tomb. He saw him resurrected. But, he saw, but in Revelation 4, he saw Jesus glorified. Jesus is glorified. We want to see him in his glory. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? And you know, the book of Hebrews is about Paul saying to his fellow countrymen, don't go back to the old, step into the new, isn't there? There's something new with God all the time. There's always something new, always. Even the leaves come every year. The, ch- the plants change every year, the seasons, and that God is a God of variety. I found out I can never exhaust this. Amen. It's got depth, it's got height, it's got breadth. It's wonderful. <laughs> Jesus is all in all, isn't it? He fills the whole universe. You know, it says in Hebrews 1, in these last days, God has spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed him of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to focus on the person of Jesus. We have to learn that, as we said yesterday, we come to this word... And it's all about a person. It's all about you seeing Jesus. And if you can see Jesus in this word, and your heart gets burning, as we said yesterday, and the fire starts to work in your tabernacle, and you can offer sacrifices of praise and adoration and worship every day, the fire will come down you'll start to burn. <laughs> you'll be a burning fire. God is a consuming fire. And when he consumes you and you get lost in him, it's wonderful. He's so wonderful. Jesus is so wonderful. Oh. <laughs> he is glorious. He's full of glory. Oh, glory. (laughs) Oh, glory. Come on. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. Oh, yeah. He steps through these pages. And you know, to many, they can't see him. But once you see Jesus, you know what he said about Moses? in the backside of a desert for 40 years. And he suddenly comes to a burning bush. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I am is in the burning bush. Isn't it wonderful when we meet the great I am? (laughs) Oh, when we meet the great I am. Oh, what a change. What a difference. What a difference. Who wants to go back to dead religion? Who wants to go back to the old ways when we can have a new and a living way that leads right into the glory? All glory. You can enter in. Will you become a priest? Will you stop pladdling around outside? Will you start entering in? Will you enter in? Will you take your place? Do you know I got a place up in the heavenness? Hebrews 12. 
Mount Zion. You know, some people think that Jesus is coming back to old Jerusalem. Oh, no, he's not. There's a new city coming down. <laughs> the city four square is being built now. We're getting ready to go there. It's exciting, isn't it? We're on our way. We're on our way. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, who's the what? The author and the finisher of your faith. He wants you to grow up. Stop being a nursery Christian. Stop playing with your spiritual Lego. And get hold of some good stuff. Isn't that? Don't bring your bottle to church. There's no bottles. belong to Ishmael they belong to Ishmael the bondwoman we got a river we got a throne the river flows from the throne we belong to this river of life hallelujah we got a new and living way enter in come on let's get hold of this isn't it wonderful oh Jesus he's exciting He's wonderful. <laughs> oh, John went up into heaven in Revelation 4 and he saw the glory. He saw the heavenly worship. And in Revelation 12, he tells us Satan got kicked out. Down he came. Down he came. And the Lord of glory is there. And you're part of that heavenly company. Yeah, you're down here, but you're part of that. As we said last time we were together, are you a scratching hen or are you a sending eagle? You know, as we said, when you start scratching, you get an irritation. There's a lot of irritated Christians about. (laughs) Because they haven't got their eyes on Jesus. They've got an Arionic priesthood instead of a Melchizedek priesthood. They're looking at man instead of looking at Jesus. Amen. Hebrews tells me I've got a Melchizedek priesthood. After the order of Melchizedek. Who did Abraham meet? Jesus. He met Jesus. He foresaw down the centuries and he saw what was coming. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it. That's what faith does. You can see the end result. Because you've got vision. And you don't care what's going on here because you've got your eyes on Jesus. He's the one to fall in love with. Have you left your first love? Well, we get the fire in you and your first love will come back. You'll stop being lukewarm. And as we said, those two on the road to Emmaus did not our hearts burn. I want to get a burning heart. I am not satisfied. I don't want to be cold. I want to be hot. Don't you? Don't you let the world get at you, the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, Andrew Murray, a great Christian writer, wrote a book in about 1890-something. And it was on the book of Hebrews. And he was saying, I felt compelled to write this book because of the lethargy and the coldness and the religiosity, whatever that is, of the church. I don't want to get cold, do you? No. I want to be burning. You see, you've got to understand that you are a child of God, that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And in that temple, there was fire. And it was never to go out. Never was that offering on that sacrifice that fire came from heaven and they had to keep it alight and when Israel didn't do their service God God said you've desecrated my land and you're going into captivity look there are many people that are living in Babylon and they should be living in Canaan because they've forsaken their their temple and their sacrifices and the fire's gone out God wants to rekindle your fire and mine. 
who wants to be around smoking Christians. Smoking Christians, just get up your nose. Yeah. I want to be with people on fire. A bit of fervency, don't you? I tell you, John, in this, this wonderful epistle, I know people don't think Paul wrote this epistle. I don't think anybody else could have written it. Myself, it is a marvelous epistle, Hebrews. It's absolutely tremendous. It says, and this is what it says, for thou art my son. In verse 5, this day have I begotten thee. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. Jesus, our Lord, is the first begotten from the dead. And we, when we're born again, we're part of a new creation. Hallelujah. That's going to live forever. With a new heaven and a new earth. We're not going down to scraping some old place in Jerusalem. No, it's coming down. The city, four square, is coming down. I tell you, things are wrapping up in the world because Jesus is coming. And we need to be ready. We need to have our lights burning, our fires burning. And we need to have oil in our lamps. And we need to be ready, don't we? I want to be a worshiper, don't you? you, Don't you want to come every day and say, I'm coming to worship my great high priest? Do you know what a privileged people we are? That when Jesus cried, it is finished, and he brought that veil down, that you and I have the privilege of being able to go into that holiest. But how many are not going there? We've got to get in there. We've got to enter in. Enter in. And this is the word of God in Hebrews. Enter in. Enter in. Do you know he opens up this epistle and he says in chapter 2, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest thing to the things we've heard. What does he say? Lest at any time they should slip. Do you know the enemy wants you to forget about the kingdom of God? about this tremendous salvation, about this new creation, about this new order of the world, a new world. You think about it. Peter says that this world, the first world, was destroyed by water. This world is going to be destroyed by fire. And if you don't get the fire in you now, you'll go with that fire. But if we got the fire in us, we're going to go with a new creation. Yeah. You know, the enemy's had a go at me recently, and he'll have a go at you. He'll try to rob, steal, and kill what your inheritance is. You mustn't let him do it. You must, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time let them slip. For if the words spoken by angels are steadfast, transgression and disobedience, how shall we escape if... We neglect so great a salvation. We got a tremendous salvation. You know, we we just get glimpses of it. Can you imagine eternity? Can you imagine what it's like to be glorified, have a glorified body? We, We don't really know, but it's coming. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say it's not coming. Because Jesus says, as you see me go into heaven, the angel said, I'm coming again. Yeah. Jesus, as in Hebrews, is the Lord of all creation. He is. Isn't it wonderful? So keep your mind on Jesus. When you go back, don't let anybody distract you. Don't let your circumstances don't worry about feelings. The just do not live by feelings. They live by faith. If I live by feelings, I wouldn't be up here. I don't care what my voice... I'm going to say it. Amen. By faith, you say it. By faith, you do it. Because the Word says it. And if the Word says it, and you believe it, and you do it, it works. Yes. This gospel works. It's the power of God. 
unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I'm a believer. Are you a believer? Revelation tells us the fearful and the doubtful will not make it. No. The fearful and the doubtful. And it's, it's serious. And the other warning in this, in this epistle is, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect? And then there's another one. In, in chapter 3, verse 8, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. This world is a wilderness. And everything in this world wants to harden your heart so you don't believe what this says, the gospel. But don't let it get at you. Keep looking at Jesus. And how do you keep looking at Jesus? He's in the word. He's in Genesis. He's in Exodus. He's in every book of the Bible. I'm studying a book now. It's called... um, you know, what religion is, is fig, is fig leaves. Religious people sow fig leaves on themselves. It doesn't work. We've got to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You know, it's wonderful that we've been given his righteousness. Why? What a gift. The gift of righteousness that we're covered with his righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, I'm just. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus done. And it says, take heed, lest any of you a heart, of, then it says, of unbelief in departing from the living God, the fourth thing. Do you know you can go home and say, my garden's more important. My stupid cottage, what I got? Gloucestershire. You know, whatever the thing is, you know, it, it irritates me sometimes. These things, because we've got to keep our minds on Jesus. And it's not, it's not that easy. And why do you think the Hebrew epistle has been written to warn us? It says to you, don't let these things get at you. You see, if you put Jesus first, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will just add these things to you. You haven't got to worry about it. You just add them. You just put him first. You just seek him first. Just look at Jesus. He is the great inhabitant of the house. We've got to keep, keep our eyes on him. I can't emphasize this too much. People talk about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's very important. He's, the, he's, he's God. But it's Jesus. He's the head of the church. As we said in Colossians yesterday... We've got to hold the head. Because if we can stay in union and we can stay in communion, we'll have dominion over all the world, the flesh and the devil, and yourself. I've had quite a few problems with myself. I don't particularly like myself. You know, when I was young and people used to say things about me, I thought, what a cheek. And now I think they were completely right. You get older and wiser. Because your identity is not you. It's Christ. I'm in Christ and Christ in me. So what does it matter? It's wonderful that I've got Jesus. Have you got Jesus? It's wonderful. What a wonderful person he is. Hallelujah. And the fifth one is, let us, in verse chapter 4, let us therefore fear. This is a big one. This is a big one. Let us fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. This is a big one. You've got to understand that when Jesus planned salvation, he did it from the foundation of the world. It's all planned in great detail. God is the master planner. It's all being planned. And he's entered into his rest. And Jesus is saying to you, come, well, Jesus says this, come, all you are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon me. 
My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Where Jesus is, there's peace. Where Jesus is, there's rest. There is therefore now a rest for the people of God. So you've got to, he says, let us therefore fear lest the promise be left us if any of you should seem to come short of it. Do you know everything in this gospel provides everything that you need? And, and probably some of your wants too. But it's all in Jesus. But you've got to, you've got to believe it. For unto us, he says, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. And this is the statement. But the word preached did not profit them, not be mixed with faith in them that heard it. He says, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as you said, as I sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, though the works were finished from the foundation of the world. A great Welsh preacher used to preach a wonderful sermon. I got it in a book at home. And he imagines heaven and the council of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And they're looking down on Eden, paradise. And they're looking at Adam and Eve and Satan tempting Eve. And the council of God and Jesus says, who will go and redeem man? And Jesus said, I will go. Jesus knew what he was facing as the Son of Man, but he did it for you. And he did it for me. Isn't it wonderful what Jesus did? Thank you, Jesus. Could you have done that? No. Do you think that I can, my own righteousness, are going to save me after Jesus has done all that? No way. I need his righteousness. I need to put my faith in that person. And when I trust him and put my faith in him and become his disciple, I'm clothed with his righteousness. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, I tell you. And he spake a certain saying, the seventh day on this wise, but God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest... Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. I do not want to be like that. Just think about it. The table's laid. You know, as Beverly said in North Wales, who would come to its feast and bring their own sandwiches? It's ridiculous, isn't it? When God has provided all this, the feast is laid and we're here to feed upon him. He is the bread of life. He is the water of life. And he can even turn your watery experiences into wine. You can get a bit intoxicated with this. You can start getting, you know, he's wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. Is there anything you need today? What do you need? Well, Jesus can meet every need that you've got because he's accomplished everything. He says, you think about what God had planned for Israel. Think what he had planned for those people that came out of Egypt. And yet they failed to enter in. And the whole generation had to be gone before the next generation went, I don't want to be left in some wilderness. Do you? Wilderness Christians complain, they scratch, they irritate, they smoke. But we can be in Canaan where there's milk and honey, isn't there? There's a wonderful supply. Oh, I tell you, you've got to cross over Jordan to get into Canaan, though. You've got to be circumcised. You know, sometimes some old preachers have said, um, Noah had a rainbow. Oh, it's lovely, rainbows. But Abraham had circumcision. That's pretty cutting. (laughs) But it works. 
it works. This word is sharp. It will cut some stuff out of you that you think you value. (laughs) But God knows how to deal with you as he dealt in circumcision. Why? Because it prophesied of the cross where Jesus, as it says in Colossians, we are saved through the circumcision of the cross. It's painful, but it works. And maybe when you go back, you're going to have that your flesh is going to say, I don't like this. It's going to be circumcised. So that you can walk in the Spirit. You're going to have to do some... The Word of God is going to come to you and say, Ah, I cut that bit off. I cut that flesh away. So that you can see Jesus. So that you can see Jesus. I tell you, He is the person we have to concentrate on. He's wonderful. And I don't want to be like those Israelites. And he goes on and he says then in 6, Let us therefore come boldly, in chapter 4, verse 16, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You've got to come to the throne. You've got to, to find it. So that means you've got to enter in. You've got to present your body a living sacrifice at the brazen altar, as it were. You've got to do your worship at the incense. You've got to bring your offerings unto the Lord and your tithes. God is not an El Cheapo God. He's not a sixpence collection God. You have to give your first fruits. And if you don't believe it, well, it's the word. If you don't bring your first fruits, you're going to lose a lot. You bring it, and then you enter in to the holiest boldly. Why? Because you're clothed with Christ's righteousness. You're covered with his blood, and you're washed with the water of the word. And you're coming washed and cleansed, and you get anointed. Oh, yeah, you get anointed in the presence of God. That anointing comes on you. And you enter in and you get mercy and you find what? Grace. Wonderful. Wonderful grace. The kingdom of God, as we said, is a kingdom of grace that leads to the kingdom of glory. But you enter in by grace, you say, through faith. You enter in and it gets better and better and better. And there's variety. God is a God of variety. Isn't it wonderful? So praise God. And then he goes on in this epistle. And he says, for every high priest taken from men. And he talks about this Arionic priesthood. But he said in verse 5 of 5, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he said unto him, Thou art my son. Today have I begotten thee, as he said also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he'd offered up prayers, supplications, strong crimes, tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, he was heard that he feared. He says, although Jesus was a son, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Wonderful. And he says, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we many things to say. He said, but you're delivering and you don't know it. He says, he talks about teachers and skillful, etc., etc., etc. And then he goes on about leaving the principles. And then in chapter 7 he talks, for this Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And this king, he says, after the king of Salem, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days, nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. 
Do you know Jesus never goes to bed? He's there continually. He never goes on holiday. His phone never is, is shut off. He's there 24 hours, seven, Jesus. He ever lives. Isn't it wonderful? He not only obeyed God passively and positively in his life to fulfill all the law, he died passively on the cross to obey, to, to deal with our sin, but he ascended and he's our great high priest who ever lives to make intercession for you. So don't you think it's time you started coming to the throne more often? Don't run to the phone, run to the throne. Run to the throne. You know, John Bunyan's got a little book, and in his little book he talks about the high priestly ministry of Jesus, and he said it's time Christians move from the cross to the throne. Another preacher said the reason why there's a lot of cross Christians because they're still at the cross and they haven't moved to the throne. That's right. That's right. We can't get there except through the cross. We can't enter in except we bring ourselves a living sacrifice. We've got to be holy. We've got to be sanctified. It's justification, sanctification, glorification. The sanctification has got to come. The circumcision has got to come. The cross has got to work in my life. And I don't like it. There's some things I love. And the Lord says, no, I don't love that. Cut it out. Cut it out. And we've got to believe like that. We've got to see that Jesus has got our best interests at heart. He knows what's best. He knows what you need better than you need. You know, doesn't he? You know, Israel said, oh, we want a king. Like all the other nations. We want a king to reign over so we can, he can go and fight our battles. Why do you need a king to go and fight your battles when you've got the Lord of hosts? Do we need anybody else than Jesus? Jesus is sufficient. He's sufficient for every need you've got. He's our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he blessed the socks off Abraham. And when you get like Abraham and you believe God, God will bless the socks off you. You'll be blessed in your going out. You'll be blessed in your coming in. And you won't have to strive for it because you've entered the rest. The rest. We've got to learn to enter in. And the devil will do everything he can to stop you entering in. He'll give you irritant neighbors, irritant relatives, irritant children, He'll cause all sorts of things to come along your pathway. But you've got to say, I'm more than a conqueror. I can overcome this. I'm looking at Jesus. I'm going to keep looking at Jesus. You know, Mary said to me, get up there and start shouting if you can't speak. I said, you're right, Mary. I'm going to do it. We've got to activate our faith. We've got to walk by faith. Haven't we? Isn't it wonderful? that we've been given this faith. This is a God kind of faith I've got. It's not the faith that I can sit on that chair and it won't collapse. This is a God kind of faith. To every man is given the measure of God's faith. The God kind of faith. And I can develop it and so can you. And you can get stronger. What was wrong with Israel? Why couldn't, after seeing all those miracles, signs and wonders, all that wealth conferred upon them, all were healed in one night. As we said, no ambulances, no zimmer frames, no stretches. They all came out in one night. Isn't it wonderful? And the Lord of hosts went before them. Do you know who's going before you when you're with Jesus? All the angelic hosts. When you start to get ministered to by the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got all the angelic hosts with you. He's around you. You just got to press in. And sometimes it's an effort, but you've got to enter in. Henry was always saying, enter in. We've got to do it. That's part of our service.
And this is what he says, without father, without mother. And he goes on. And whose descent is not counted, he said, received tithes of Abraham. And he blessed him that had the promises. So without all contradiction, the less is blessed, the better. And he talks about this tithes and he goes on about these things. And I won't dwell on that too much. And then he talks about the tabernacle. But then I want you to go into Hebrews 10. And I want to talk about this a bit. And he says in verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Look, you've got to get your mind renewed. You've got to understand that what Jesus did has declared you righteous. That you've got garments of salvation. Don't look at yourself. You've got to look at Jesus. Because if you can keep looking at him and get in that holiest, because the veil is down. And he says, look in, and, and this is the point, you see, enter in the holiest, how? By the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Do you know the blood of Jesus is so important? And religious people today, they don't like it. They say, we don't want all this wallowing in blood. We don't want this Old Testament Christianity. Look, this is not Old Testament Christianity. This is Christianity. Blood. What Jesus did on the, on the cross fulfilled every shadow, every type of Levitical offering. Every shadow and type, if you study it, it's amazing to at the least detail. And they're sprinkling the blood seven times. You know, they had to do it before the tabernacle. Everything is, had to be fulfilled. Why was Jesus scourged? Because they flayed the offering. All these things are in Scripture to be fulfilled. We don't understand the mystery of iniquity, but we can look at Jesus and we can see the price that was paid. Can't we? And I tell you, I, I'm coming to see it's by a new and a living way which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You have to keep cleansed. You have to keep washed. This is a daily walk. You have to keep in communion. You have to keep your union. You have to keep in communion. And then you'll enter in. I know I mentioned this yesterday, but I want to emphasize this. I, I just feel this is so important. You see, little faith is inadequate faith. Little faith says, oh, I can't enter in, but you can. And that's why it says full assurance of faith. See, this is the problem. If you've got little faith, you say, oh, well, I'm only little. I can't go in there. I'm not good enough. Of course, you're not good enough. No, am I. But we're covered by the blood of Jesus. And as we walk in the light, John the Apostle says, the blood of Jesus is continual cleansing me. I make mistakes. You make mistakes. There's sins of commission. There's sins of omission. Some sins we don't even know. When you're growing up spiritually, you're doing stuff that isn't quite right. But God is patient with you because you're growing, aren't you? You're growing. And he puts up with it. And there comes a point in time when he says, now look here, boy. You're growing up now. Stop playing around and start doing your spiritual service. Yeah, start playing. Now, I know people say, and I've heard this said, well, I'm too busy. I've got a very busy job. I'm, I'm too, I, I've got all this to do and I've got all that to do. And then they so and so and so and so. Well, what is more important? You're going to have to make time for Jesus. You are. You're going to have to put him first. You know, it's this Mary Martha thing. The one thing, isn't it we said before? It's the one thing is the important thing. And you know, they criticize us, the world. They say it's a narrow way. We want to be on the broad way where we can do what we like. Well, of course it's narrow because it's, it's a, a new and a living way. 
is a straight way and it leads right into the glory. You get off the, that pathway, that living way, and you get into death. It's a new, as we said yesterday morning, and the foundation's been laid. All the engineering works have been done. Jesus has done it all. Isn't it wonderful? All you've got to do is get on it, and there's no toll gates on it. It's wonderful. Oh, I tell you, let's keep, keep concentrating on Jesus. And this is what he says then. And this is it. Well, he says this in 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We've got to understand that God Almighty is almighty. I don't like these people that God, God, or Father, their daddy. I don't like it. He's my father. He's your father. He's God Almighty. But he only accepts us in Christ and his righteousness. But we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted, but we've got to reverence him. Oh, I think so. And then we come to this wonderful 11th chapter and this wonderful statement. Now, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. We've got to understand that the world was created by words of faith. Yeah. And as uh, Mary was saying to me before the meeting, words are very important. As the writer of Proverbs says, life and death are in the power of what? The tongue. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. And this is where discipleship comes in. Because if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you're not going to be able to say exactly what you think about anybody. You better shut up. My job is not to judge you. My job is to love you. Even if you've got a lot of cracks. That's not my job to fix your cracks. There's somebody there to fix them. It's Jesus. It's, it's my job to love you. But we've got all these people who want to go around fixing people's cracks. No, you can't do it. You can't do it. No. No. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're all in recovery. The state of grace, as the old preacher said, is a state of recovery. We're all being recovered to be like Jesus. We're all being recovered. It says in Hebrews 4, to bring many sons to glory. Are you on your way to glory? Yes. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to start glowing? Yes. Do you want to get the fire burning in you and, and feel the heat? And feel the warmth. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? Who wants to go into a house where there's no fire? We've got a relative in our family and our, and our place is really cold. Nobody wants to go there. <laughs> and the poor, poor person doesn't know that all the family is saying, we don't want to go there because it's so cold. And the so recently... There was a family gathering in Hampshire, and they were discussing why this place was so cold. Why the room was so cold. And they analysed it, that the radiators were in the wrong place, and they were too small. And then somebody else said, well, it's damp. And then somebody else, well, it needs to be dry line. Well, nobody wants to be, you know, to Jesus. If you're going to entertain Jesus, you better get the heat on. Get some warmth. Get some warmth in you. Jesus says in Revelation, he doesn't like lukewarm people. He doesn't like them. No, Jesus is on fire. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? You can get the fire burning. We used to sing the early days in the glory way, George, and we had a lot of songs about the fire. <laughs> I feel like fire shut up in my bones. We quoted that verse in Jeremiah, didn't we, yesterday? <laughs> and I'm getting a revelation of this. The Lord's trying to get me to stoke my fire up. I don't know whether I'm quite there yet, but I'm coming. I'm, I'm starting to come. I'm starting to come. And if you know anything about fires, you've got to keep feeding it. 
You've got to keep feeding it. <laughs> keep feeding the fire. <laughs> so faith is <coughs> the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this is the point. For by it, the elders obtained what? A good report. Now, Paul knows all about this because he was a school teacher. He did reports. My granddaughter gets a glowing report. She's absolutely a wonderful student, Emily. But my grandson, he's something different. <laughs> I won't tell you what they said in his report. But... Now, we're, you're, you're, how, what is your report like up there? How is... How is the appraisal going? <laughs> what sort of offering? Oh, yeah. Of course, Dave is a school. He knows all about this. <laughs> appraisal, yeah. The appraisals, yeah. In the civil service, we had all these appraisals. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the idea is you've got this church and you meet these people. You say, I'm special. I'm just special. And I've had all these prophecies over me. And I'm going to do this and do that and do the other. And, uh, you know, God has called me this. And, and uh, I, should be at the, I should be at the mic in every meeting. I should be up here at the front. And uh, I shouldn't be sitting down there because I'm special. Well, you've got, to, you've got to progress in the spirit. You've got to get a good report up there. <laughs> Haven't you? And this is the problem, isn't it? We've got all these people. They've added two new books to the Bible. Imaginations one and Imaginations two. <laughs> it's all a little bit airy-fairy, isn't it? You know, they haven't got their feet on the ground. Come on. We're facing real issues. There's a devil out there, and we've got to get our, you know, we've got to start getting this together because we need faith, and we need the word, and faith is the shield, and that, and the word is the sword, and God wants you to grow up so you can hold your shield up and wield your sword. If you've got little faith, you say, oh, I can't hold that shield, it's too big, and I can't hold that sword, it's too big. I, I'm, 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 I see, I'm little, see. Well, you're not supposed to be little. You're supposed to grow up yeah. and get strong so you can wield your shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts. And the sword of the Spirit, you can put in your mouth, and when you speak that word, the word of the living God, he flees in terror. He flees in terror. Because Jesus, as somebody said this week, he spoiled him. He's taken all his armor. He's got no more armor left. He's, 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 he's got nothing to defend himself. You just got it, but he deceives you to think he's so powerful. No, he isn't. No, he's defeated. When Goliath was on the floor with his head off, was he any threat to anybody? No. His corpse was there and his head was off. Well, Jesus has done exactly what David did to Goliath. He's defeated the enemy. And he's such a liar and he's such a deceiver. But we've got to get our minds renewed by the word of God. And we've got to get a good report up there. Hold fast to your profession of faith without wavering. That's the secret. Don't lose the confession of your faith. Don't ever give in. Why? Because you've got somebody in you, Christ in you. And if Christ be for you, who in the world can be against you? You are more than a conqueror. What's the book of Revelation all about? Overcomers. It's not about building temples and artifacts and Jesus coming. No, 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 no. It's not all that nonsense. It's all about overcomers and a vision of Christ and the new Jerusalem coming and the persecution of the saints and the judgment of the world. It's quite straightforward. Don't let's complicate something that's very simple. No, it's very straightforward. But religion wants to write books about all this nonsense so they can, you can pay them to read all this rubbish. So by the time you've read it, you're more confused than you are when you started. Yeah. No. 
where faith, we understand the world's refrain by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made out of things that do appear. Look, if you're born again and you're begotten of God, that is a miracle. You are a miracle. That is an absolute miracle. You can get people to sign cards. You can even get them to make confession. But until the Spirit of God quickens that person and regeneration takes place, they're still up here and not in here. As Henry used to say, a true witness delivers souls. The Word of God. It delivers us. I was one of them. I sat in this meeting with my green jacket on. Right in the middle of this meeting, much bigger meeting than this. Right in the middle. He said, see that bloke down there in the green jacket? He said, you coming up here? I said, no, I'm not. I thought I'd gone out the door. When he put his hand on my head, I felt something. You hath he quickened who were dead. What a wonderful thing to be quickened. What a tremendous thing to be quickened. There's nothing like the quickening of the Holy Ghost. We need to be quickened. Not stiffened. Quickened. Quickened. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. And this is in verse 6, a famous verse. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, I tell you, what a gospel we've got. What a tremendous good news it is. Don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't let him drag you back. Look at those dangers in Hebrews we spoke about. You have to keep your mind and your heart on the one thing. Just keep it centered on Jesus. Just keep it centered on Jesus. And he says then in all these things, he talks about in this uh, 11th chapter about, by faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. Isn't it? It's all by faith. And you only get that from the word of God. That's how important this word is. It's Jesus walks through this word. As I say to them at home, never depersonalize the word of God. It's all about a person. Grace is a person. Not a doctrine. Doctrines are only there just to help to stop people going astray. To give you guidelines. And I don't want any Arionic priesthood. I want Melchizedek. I want Jesus. And then he says in Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about, by so great a cloud of witnesses. You say, well, where are those witnesses? Well, they're there in the Spirit. And they're saying to you, Come on. You can make it. I've made it. Moses has made it. Joseph's made it. Isaac's made it. Abraham's made it. And they're saying to you, come on. Come on, you can do this. Don't be weary and well-doing. Don't be slowful. Don't let the enemy weigh you down. You see, I think one old preacher said, one of the main reasons why a lot of God's people don't get into the holiest, he says, because they get weary they get slowful, and they get slack, and they put other things in front of what are spiritual things, yes. and suddenly they seem to lose ground. Now, I don't want to be like that, do you? You've got to stir it up. You have to stir the embers of your fire. You? Keep the fires burning. And then he goes on in this chapter, he says, Look in, as we said, unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of glory. And he talks about chastening that you're going to have to do, and I've had some chastening. 
God gets on my case when I do things wrong. He's got a way of bringing out his discipline. And I just have to take it because I know it will do, be good for me in the end. And this is what he says then. But you, that's all of us, you have come, verse 22, to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, the church of what? The firstborn, which are written in heaven, and God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Moses and Elijah and all that and to who? Jesus it's to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel seeing that he refused not any speaker that's who you come to so this morning you're part of this heavenly company of people Mount Zion so praise God isn't it wonderful? We've been able to come together to worship the King. We just worship Him. The Lord wants you to be a worshiper. He wants you to offer up spiritual sacrifices. See, somehow we as God's people have got to understand when we come together, we are coming to meet the great inhabitants of the house. Now, if you were going to meet the Queen and you were invited to Buckingham Palace, you wouldn't go in your shorts and singlet and a satchel. You put on your best gear and you'd look pretty tidy, wouldn't you? Well, I'm discovering that I have to prepare myself. I know that I have to speak where I am, but I, I, I encourage everybody else, that what, the few we have. And now I understand that if you could prepare yourself when you come to Basildon or whatever church you're in, and saying, I'm going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the great inhabitant of the house. And I'm going to come prepared. I'm going to come having read the word, meditated the word. I'm going to bring my tithes, my offerings, and I'm going to come ready to meet him. See, that's when you start to see things happen. You've got to honor him. Who's the one that deserves the honor? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in our church, when we had a pastor, we used to have these three ladies in the back. And they used to come in, and all you could hear them do was eating sweets. The wrappers. And the cheek of it was... They wouldn't even take the sweet papers off the floor. We'd have to go and sweep them up. You know, some people have got a very strange idea about the house of God. And then we had another couple come and they brought their dog. Well, I don't like dogs in the house of God, sorry. I think they're reverent. I, didn't, I, I, thought, I said, no, we don't have dogs here. She got offended and walked out. But I think it's better for me to have reverence for the king. Don't you? Don't you think it's time we gave him the glory? Yes. If you want the glory, you have to honor the glory. Don't you? He's the one. He's the most important person. And I tell you, hallelujah, it's wonderful. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Think about it. He suffered outside the gate. He suffered for you and me. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful? And we've got a wonderful Jesus. <laughs> Let's fall in love with Jesus, isn't it? Let's give him the glory. Let's give him the honor. Let's give him the praise. Oh, help us, Lord. Where we fail, Lord. Touch your people, Lord. Rekindle their hearts. 
Stir those embers, Lord, that they become flames of fire. So when all those little flames come together, there'll be a massive bonfire. There'll be a fire. There will be a fire. There will be a flame. There will be a people who will magnify my name. Don't we want to be those people? Do you know, when the church gets on fire, they start coming in. We need to get on fire. That's what's wrong with us. We need to get the fires burning, don't we? And that's you and me. And the Lord said to me, come on, get off your butt and start doing something about it. Come on, I'm going to do it. Are you? I'm going home more determined than I've ever been. And I know I'm in my whatever I am now. And whatever you are. And you young ones, just run with it. Come on. Isn't it wonderful? We can be strong in the power of his might. And the anointing that comes on this word, it breaks the yoke. It breaks it off our lives. It smashes it and destroys it so that we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Isn't he wonderful? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.